Welcome to the Loss and Lifting Talk podcast. The show is created to help you find your confidence by breaking down the complicated science of training and nutrition and turning it into simple, but more importantly, practical solutions that you can implement right away to start creating real results inside your body composition. We don't stop there either. We dive into the mental aspect of fitness to not only build a better body, but a better life all around. Podcasts were the medium where I learned and grew as an individual more than any other place in my life. The goal of this podcast is to give that back to you to start building the exact body and life that you know you're capable of. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Alex, how are you, dude? I am good. I just got back from the gym, um, worked legs today, not the most exciting thing for me. Um, I mean, I think, well, I guess it kind of depends. There's the people who love training legs. There's the people who absolutely like hate training legs. I find myself like when I first go in like the drive there, it's like shit, like this is going to suck. But then like once I'm like in the groove, like my quads are warm, like hams are warm and I'm like on the leg press or like under the barbell, whatever it is. It feels really nice just because like it's one of those body parts that just like is so strong compared to like other body parts. And like I'm not talking specifically like for me myself, but it's like if you think about like doing like bicep curls, bicep curls versus like lateral raises. I mean, you're gonna be lifting like 15, 20 pounds. But like with like a barbell squat, it's like, you know, hip thrust, like you're loading 200 pounds in the bar. And it's like, that feels pretty darn good to do. And you kind of leave and it's like, your legs are trembling a bit. But then it's like, all right, like I'm done with that. And now, now I can train upper body like next session. It's like that it's like I'm teaching myself delayed gratification for like upper body instead of like delayed gratification for like results or like food or something. Yeah, absolutely. I, I used to train leg. I'll be honest. I'm kind of a puss when it comes to legs these days compared to a past version of myself. I used to train legs hard. Like I'd go in and everything was near failure, like heavy ass barbell squats, heavy ass leg presses, heavy ass lunges, heavy ass Bulgarian split squats. Um, and I would go into those sessions dreading them like, Oh God, like this is going to suck. But there was some sort of, I do feel like I was a little bit harder back in the day, just like more mentally resilient, I guess, to like go in and be like, you know what? Like, I'm just going to get this shit done because afterwards, like there's going to be that delayed gratification these days. Like, so I spent a lot of time investing into building up my legs in a way that like at this point, like I don't necessarily want my legs to get any bigger. Like I'm at the point, if I put on jeans, like I they'll be super tight around my thighs and then the waist is too big every single time. So it's like, mm-hmm. so one, like to get like good fitted jeans, like I either have to find the, the perfect pair of jeans that like just fits perfectly or else I'd have to essentially get them customly like tailored to fit my waist and like not be skin, skin tight around my glutes and my, and my thighs. So at this point, I, I have gotten super soft with legs. Like a leg day for me currently looks like I'll go in well for my last me. So I'm just finishing. I'm on a deload this week, but my last me. So I ran one leg day per week on Wednesdays. And all that it essentially was, is I do anywhere from two to four sets of leg extensions at the first of the miso is it was down around like two sets. And I built up the volume a little bit towards the end. So I was getting up to four sets of leg extensions, um, two to three sets of sissy squats. And then from there I would do two to four sets again of lot of no seated leg curls. And then anywhere from one to three sets of 45 degree hip extensions for my glutes. And that was, that's essentially it. And only doing that once per week, I still get sore a little bit, but like looking back on how I used to train to where I'd start with barbell squats, then I'd go into it like a heavy ass dumbbell RDL, then like some Bulgarian split squats. And then I'd finish with leg extensions and leg curls and be absolutely taxed at the end of it. And now I walk away from those sessions and it's way easier, but taking the time, I guess, to build yourself up and like initially invest hard training in until you get those body parts to where they want to be. Then you can kind of pull back and focus on other areas. Like now I'm only training a lower body, essentially one time per week at the moment. I I may go back to training it more often and increase the frequency at some point, but my upper body isn't disproportionate. Just, I feel like my lower body is much more developed. Like I have, sounds kind of, kind of weird, but I have like really good glutes 
for whatever reason like all that golf and all that hip rotation yeah hip rotation and then like growing up which is interesting because i would barbell squat and i would rdl like those were the two exercises that like i really hammered in on at getting really good at and really strong at but what i was thinking and i didn't really understand biomechanics as well back then but i was thinking that the barbell squat was really really good for my quads like it's going to build up my quads and it did pretty decently and the rdl i was thinking was was really really good for my hamstrings and so like i wasn't even thinking that i was doing much direct glute work and like the longer i did it and like the more developed my glutes eventually ended up like i look back at old training videos and like my squat is very hip dominant the way that I squat. Like I I'm not can't like, I don't have the greatest ankle mobility to be able to like come down and keep on keep not as much of an angle at the hip and put more of an angle at the knee joint, obviously like I'm still working my quads a bit, but I'm getting much more out of my glute just because my squat is naturally very glute biased. And my RDLs were very glute biased, like bent knee, pushing the hips back, not going super low, like stopping once the hips are back as, as far as I can with that slight bend in the knee to fully stretch out the glutes. So like, me thinking that my squat was building up my quads and my hamstring or my RDL was building up my, my hamstrings. Really both of those exercises were just hammering my glutes day in and day out when I didn't even necessarily realize it. And that's why like I look at people, this is kind of a rant, but like you look at all of these quote unquote glute specialists out there, right? Like you need to do like this exercise and this exercise and, and train from all of these different positions. And like, these are the best glute exercises. It's like, in reality, it's quite simple. If you can get, in my opinion, find a couple exercises that you enjoy and just get really, really strong at that. And if you want to maximize your time, even potentially a little bit more, find a couple exercises that are going to train the, the glutes in more of a lengthened position, as opposed to a shortened position and just hammer at those week in and week out. Like for me, the squat and the RDL, I did no hip thrusts. I did no hip extensions, nothing like that back in the day. Like those were the only exercises that I was doing and not realizing it. Like I built big glutes just from squatting and doing RDLs for years on end and getting stronger and progressively overloading those. It's funny because like those are the, like, and they're always going to be the foundational exercises without getting into the whole like science of training and all that, it is always going to be those like lengthened position exercises like the squats, like the remaining deadlifts that are going to deliver the best chunk of your results. But people tend to associate in general, I have found feeling as being better than like not feeling if that makes sense, like a hip thrust, like you feel those glutes a lot. Like you yeah. really feel that squeeze or a kickback. So if, mm -hmm. And so if you were to tell people like, Hey, like squats are better than, you know, hip thrusts for glute development. Like it just doesn't correlate. And some people even get like defensive about it. Like, no, like I feel those hip thrusts and I'm like, I'm sure you feel those hip thrusts. Like I'm sure you feel those kickbacks but it's like those are still going to be your accessory exercises more so as far as like muscle building goes. And it's just like as boring as it's going to sound, like you said, if you're squatting, hip hinging and lunging and you like just had a barbell and some dumbbells, that can get you really, really, really strong legs with very, very minimal, like even it's maybe boring to do that over and over and over again, but it doesn't change the fact that like those are the most effective exercises and like they're always going to be the most effective. Yeah. We're going to switch the the lane of the episode today. We were going to hop into some questions, but I think even a better topic that will do well and um, is just kind of like a, a hot topic is essentially how to build your glutes. And we work with a lot of ladies, right? And most women that mm -hmm. come in, like the, the culture these days is big glutes obviously for not all women, I'm not going to overly generalize, but like a lot of women come in, like they want an hourglass shape, right? They want to be able to, to have like curves within their body. They want big glutes, um, with the upper body. I think that there's places in your upper body that you have to train as well. If you want kind of that hourglass curve shape, like building up your shoulders a little bit, building up your lats as well as glutes. But let's, 
let's just dive into that then. So like, say a lady comes into you and wants to build her glutes, essentially. Like she comes in, she's like, listen, like, I don't really want to like train upper body super hard. Like I I'm willing to train it a little bit, but like, I really want to focus on building up my glutes. I've been trying to build them for years on end and, and what I've been doing hasn't essentially worked. Like I, I I'm coming to you because I want to build up my glutes. What would that look like from your perspective? That's what the topic of this episode is going to be instead is how to build your glutes essentially. So like, what would be your fundamentals to help somebody who's maybe tried, but hasn't seen progress? Um, in regards to to building their glutes? I would likely start because I figure most people coming in like are already squatting, like lunging. Like that's typically like if you, if you were to even scroll Instagram and just be like, oh, I'm going to copy this lady's workout. It typically does include good enough exercises that are going to deliver you results. But I find that there's two, I guess, kind of like main issues. If you're wanting to like maximize your results that you're getting when you're going and training, like in those sessions, number one, I would say far too many people have no idea what proper intensity actually looks like within the gym. So like, if you have never pushed an exercise to like total mechanical failure, and just to kind of explain real quick what I mean by that, it's not like, oh, I'm doing barbell squats and like, oh, my lower back started like curving and rounding, so I'm going to stop. It's like you're doing as many reps as you can with like good, safe form. And if you've never pushed that to your absolute max, you probably don't know what it feels like to push to 80, 90% intensity because you're likely selling yourself very short. So the reason I kind of bring this up is you can learn from like one good message from a lot of like previous, let's say like bodybuilders, they didn't have the best form and exercises. They didn't have the best equipment. They didn't have the most like optimal things like a lot of us look for in like today's society, but because of how intensely they trained, like they could still be the best in the world. I mean, look at like Ronnie Coleman, for example, and the women on here, like probably maybe like who's Ronnie Coleman, but basically think like someone lifting an insane amount of weight, maybe not the most safe or effective form, but then it turns out to be one of the greatest bodybuilders of all time. Happens so like, a lot. If you learn how to push, that itself is going to bring you a very, very long way. The second thing I would say is like once you've learned to put, I guess, and like really, I should put these two, I guess I should interchange them. Cause like, let me add one thing to that really quick yeah. though. So, what I'll say with the intensity and why it's so important, you could do mechanically the best exercises possible for your glutes with the best form possible for your glutes and do those exercises very consistently. But if you are not training close enough to, or at failure in those exercises, you will not see progress. And so that's why what Alex said is so important. It's not always about, okay, like, am I doing the correct exercises? Like, am I doing the correct amount of volume? Am I, am I doing the correct amount of sets and reps in my exercises? That That's all important. But if you're not creating effective reps, which are essentially are the reps that are within three to four reps of failure, if you're not pushing hard enough to get into that zone to where the reps that you're doing are a big struggle by the end of each set, those effective and best exercises and best rep ranges mean absolutely nothing. And you're not going to see progress. You're essentially wasting your time in some, in some sense, if the goal is to force your body composition to adapt, you have to learn if you want to build muscle to train appropriately with the intensity. And if the intensity is not there and you're not training close enough to failure, you can have the best diet, you can have the best exercises, you can have the best amount of sets and reps, and you're still not going to see progress. So I love that you mentioned that. Sorry to cut you off. I just wanted to hammer home how important it truly is to make sure you're training with the appropriate intensity. And I think as you begin, if you're 
a beginner in the gym or trying new exercises, obviously you don't want to go balls to the wall right out of the gate. Like take your time, understand, create good form. But once you've built that foundation and baseline, now if you want to actually start seeing progress, you have to push yourself. And if you're not pushing yourself, you're not going to see your body composition change in the way that you want it to change. Absolutely. And as much as I will always drive home like that intensity factor for appropriate results or like the best results. I did mention earlier, and I do want to like kind of add some more context to this where I mentioned like becoming one of the best like bodybuilders, having insanely developed, you know, muscles, even when doing exercises with maybe not the most, I guess doing some exercises with what would be considered not the greatest form. Please do not go out there and start throwing on a bunch of weight before you have mastered the technique and execution. I would say that the technique and execution is going to be more important. And like that's something that you should put your like first and most like important priority on. Because like, yes, you could load the weight up higher now, but I can tell you that if you skip the technique and execution part, you are far more likely to end up in a place like of being injured down the road to where it's like you may feel stronger now, but if we're talking about like that long game becoming like the strongest for the rest of your life, learning to do that from the start is a lot simpler of a process. And I can tell you from my firsthand experience, when you start lifting your freshman, sophomore year of high school and you learn a deadlift, 90% of us are probably going to be lifting with like a very rounded back. Yeah. Just because I can get strong with the rounded back doesn't mean that I should. And the reason is, this is one, like the injury, injury prevention, but then there's also the fact it's always going to be harder to unlearn a movement pattern versus just starting it that way from the beginning. And that's something that I wish I could kind of go back and work on. Cause I remember like just even doing like squats. Like when I first started squatting, like I was scared of the barbell. I didn't want to touch the barbell. So I did the Smith machine. And I just remember like this, I can picture it in my head, like being on the Smith machine and my knees just going like totally like caved inward, like feet pointed the wrong direction. Like, and I didn't know up until like recently, like there is, a right way to face like if you're a smith machine is like angled like it makes more sense to face one way or the other kind of depending on like what you're trying to work on the exercise i was just kind of going in like throwing on weight like okay i'm squatting like i'm going up and down like this i feel it but in terms of like long-term progression i definitely set myself back to that extent and like if you're just looking at like what are the two most important things like that can get you get you pretty darn close to your like max potential if you just kept driving those home like day in and day out like if you committed two sessions a week and you had appropriate execution or appropriate intensity even without the perfect exercises or the perfect split or like the perfect volume you're still going to end up ahead of likely most people that you know would you agree with that kind of like master technique execution push the intensity and you can see a lot of results just based off that yeah absolutely just as you said technique comes first getting good getting an understanding getting comfortable with the exercises that you're doing but once you're comfortable with those exercises if you don't start pushing those exercises to a point to where you feel uncomfortable by the end of each set you're going to spin your wheels. And so they both matter. The technique matters, just as you said, because if you're not, you can grow and you can like see good progress probably without having the best technique and just pushing yourself hard. You can absolutely build muscle that way. I did it for years when I first started, um, especially with bench press, but eventually I ended up messing up my shoulder because of it. And so understanding that technique does come first, but not because it's the most important to see growth. It's the most important to keep you safe and healthy in the long term to be able to continue to train to continue to push on more progress but once you have the the technique down if you don't start pushing those sets to where they are uncomfortable and your last few reps are significantly slower and harder than your first few reps of the set you're essentially just burning some calories but you're not 
actually building any lean muscle tissue um, at the end of the day. So a couple more questions on that. So when it comes to, I think we nailed that down really good in regards to the importance of technique and form. I, I feel like that's a good way to start this, but then I'll, I'll just ask you a few questions um, to help create some clarity. Maybe we'll give like a sample type of program or, or exercises and how you'd structure it at the end with what that would look like to give people something to be able to take from this and actually start applying. How many days per week would you look to train glutes if that was somebody's main goal coming into to working with you? How many days per week would you look at actually having them train their glutes I was, as opposed to their upper yeah. body? I'll say 95 plus percent of my clients just simply train four days a week. Um, there's a couple in there like who can fit in like the five days a week and like they just love the five days a week. And so we just kind of never change that. But I'm a firm believer that like in today's world and like with the time that most people have, like there is no need to be in the gym, like training your legs hard more than two days a week. So I would say like, just in general, like year round, you can train the legs two days a week. If you want to push a little harder for a certain amount of time, like if you want to do like a couple months, maybe like, let's say like an eight to 12 week cycle of like pushing that volume higher, maybe we will, you know, we will go to three days per week, for example. I have even toyed around with like four days a week, but that was like, like the volume always ends up the same. And that's kind of what I want to get at. Can you explain kind of with that? This, what? Can you explain that? Like, mm-hmm. so if somebody's, so if somebody's training, let's say three days per week, they're, they're lower. But so essentially you're saying you could train your glutes any from two to four days per week, right out of the gate, right? You could, you could do as many days per week as you wanted, but at the end of the week, you don't want volume to be so high or so low, essentially, like you're, you're going to be around the same volume markers by the end of the week anyway. Like, so explain that essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when I'm looking at just like distributing leg volume, a lot of people think like, if I say I'm, if I'm having a client train legs twice a week, that means they are doing less sets and reps compared to someone doing like legs three times in a week, or if they're doing like four times a week, like if I have someone doing legs four times a week, what I really mean is I'm incorporating a leg exercise four days of the week. So that might be like one workout. It could be like glute bridges and 45 degree hip extensions. And that would be like your glute quote unquote like workout for that day mixed with other body parts. You know, then you could kind of do your squat base day or just kind of whatever. But I don't do that and I haven't done that in quite some time. So I don't want to spend like too much time on that. But in general, like if I'm doing three days, it would be the same amount of sets that I'd be doing with someone on two days. Just we're taking that volume that we would do in two days and just splitting it up more so across three days. So really like each session would just be a little shorter in with time less glute work with less glute work compared to like if you wanted to fit everything in on like two workout days for example and that's typically how i like to structure it if you were looking for like a set number i would say you could do anywhere like honestly like eight to maybe 16 like I don't like 16 even seems kind of high. Like when, like when you know how to train hard, like 16 hard working sets can feel like a lot. Um, fatiguing. Mm-hmm. In a week. So is I would what you're say like anywhere so- between like eight to 16 working sets. I am and have per- developed more of like a preference towards like the lower volume training per workout which- or per week. You're saying eight to 16 working sets per week, per week. So he's saying, per week with all of your accumulate, say you're working out two days per week or three days per week for your glutes, you're going to do somewhere between eight to 16 working sets for that entire week for the glutes, which would be split up between those two to three days. Correct. Correct. So what that may look like, it does not include your warm ups, And that's one thing I do want to clarify because a lot of people think like, well, I do four sets of hip thrusts, four sets of leg extensions, 
four sets of Romanian deadlifts, you know, in four sets of something else, you know, on my leg day. And like that's 16 sets that that's it for the entire week. I'm talking like if you were to consider your first two sets of an exercise, like if we're just talking barbell squats, use those first two, three sets as like a way to activate and kind of like prime the nervous system, prime your body, like that need to be warm and ready to go like for whatever you're training. Like if I'm going to be training squats, I'm going to go in and warm up with squats because like that's going to warm up exactly the muscles that, that I need to train. And so then what I would do is I would do basically at the end of that warm up, I would choose a top load and do two really hard working sets and then move on to the next. And then I would go to my next exercise. I would do, I mean, sometimes it's one working set. Like sometimes it's starting off like the training block with like one really hard working set just to kind of see where that falls and then use weeks two, three, and four to push up to like, you know, two or three really hard working sets. But when you were talking about like your leg days earlier, where it was like four exercises, people may think that it sounds really, really low, but in all reality, like that's really like all you need. Yeah. If you know how to train that hard and it's, it's mind boggling for a lot of people to kind of think, well, I'm doing all this work now. You want me to do less to see better results. But the way I kind of describe it is by us being more precise, assuming we've locked in, the execution factor. So now clients are, for example, sending me form videos so I can kind of just maximize their execu execution, their technique. We're pushing the intensity, you know, I'm, I'm making sure that they're pushing hard enough on their like top hard working sets. Then what we can do from there is we're able to be so much more effective instead of, let's say, doing 12 sets in a single workout where maybe two or three of those were effective, we can spend half the time in the gym, be that more much, be that much more precise, recover better, and see physically better results, not just in terms of like training, but recovery and like mentally as well. Once you're able to kind of grasp that concept. Absolutely. So I I think what he's saying, and we just explain. I I did a post on this in our um, ladies only group coaching program just in the last few weeks. So let's say that your program essentially has three working sets, right? Like let's say you're starting out your day with three sets of hip thrusts. So what what a lot of people will make the mistake of with that is like, okay, I've got three sets. So set one, I'm gonna use, and like let's say it's for ten reps. Set one, I'm gonna do. 95 pounds for 10 reps at two, I'm going to do 135 pounds for 10 reps set three. I'm going to do like a top set at 185 for three working sets. Well, essentially if you do it that way, you're getting one decent working set at the end of that training session, which can work if that last set, like essentially those first two sets were just warm up sets. Um, and that last set, like if you only have that one set at that higher number, like you damn well better go balls to the wall in that one high set to where you're getting to absolute failure to accumulate enough effective reps in that set to like get a sufficient working volume out of it. But what a lot of people will do is like, okay, their first set, they, they use 95 pounds, 10 reps, extremely easy, not challenging at all. Set number two, they, they do 135 pounds, nowhere near failure. Maybe they're hitting an RPE four or five, still extremely easy. That third set 185 for 10 reps. Well, let's say that that set, they went like to an RPE seven, right? Like, so they got two, maybe, maybe three, like effective reps out of that set. That's not going to be very effective long-term if you're not accumulating enough. Like if you're going to do only one hard set, that set better be all out balls of the wall to failure to accumulate four, five, six effective reps from that set. And so how I'll set things up for, for the ladies in our group coaching program is essentially 
will have anywhere from two to three hardworking sets. What that means is that those are the hard sets in that for that exercise that you're doing. But what you need to do, let's say you're doing this on the hip thrust. So if you've got two to three hard working sets, well, you should be doing two to three warm up sets before those two to three hard working sets. And a lot of people will be like, oh man, I'm so now I have to do six sets. Well, you don't view those warm up sets as like even sets. They're just acclimating your nervous system and your body up to be able to fire appropriately in those harder sets. So your first set before your working sets actually start, let's say you're going to be working with 185 pounds. Your first set should be, let's say 95 pounds for six to eight reps. Well, you're not going to sit there and rest like you would in your working sets. No, once you get done with that 95 pounds for six to eight reps, add on, get up to 135 pounds, take 20 to 30 seconds of rest, and then do that for three to to five reps roughly. And now you've done 135 pounds. Maybe you'll go up to 165 pounds, take 20 to 30 seconds rest, do another two to three reps. So you're right up there close to where your working weight's going to be at for 10 reps, but you've taken literally a minute and a minute and a half to do those warm up sets to get yourself ready. Now that your body's acclimated and your nervous system is primed and ready to go, start that first working set at let's say 185 pounds, whatever it may be, and push yourself hard, get near failure in that first set. In that second set, if you push hard enough and you rest two to three minutes, That second set, if you push hard enough in that first set, you shouldn't necessarily be able to get as many reps with the same amount of weight in the following working set. If you're able to, that means that first working set probably wasn't hard enough. So let's say you did 185 pounds, you got 10 reps. It was extremely challenging. Well, in that second actual working set, it should look like 185 pounds for maybe a couple reps less than what you're able to get in that first set. You shouldn't be able to match the amount of reps and weight you're getting in each working set if you're actually pushing yourself hard enough in each of those working sets. And so just understanding how that works, is that kind of what you were explaining a little bit as as well, like in regards to, to warm-up sets as opposed to working sets? Yep. That was really the exact thing that I was going for there. And I will, because I do like to kind of offer insight into like both sides. You know, I hate kind of leaving things. It's like, here's the answer. While Chaz and I do program this way, you can see good results still. If you are doing, let's say like three sets of eight, 95 pounds squats, whatever sure. at 70, 80% intensity. But the kind of thing that you have to know alongside that just because you can still build muscle there, you are going to require more volume to get there, basically meaning you have to spend more time in the gym. You're going to accumulate more just stress on your body, more central nervous system fatigue, which when we are trying to, I don't know how I want to describe this, it's kind of like improve all areas, like not just training, but also like, how well can our body digest food? Like, where's like mental state at? Like, are we overwhelmed? Efficiency. Efficiency. Like, we don't want to be driving up stress and fatigue in the body if we have another way to approach it that like gives us like a better result. So like if clients coming in, they're highly stressed, why would I be programming like four sets of 15, like 30 sets a week? Like, yes, it's going to work but it's also probably going to drive inflammation a bit higher, water storage a bit higher. There's going to become more overwhelmed. Just it's more time taken out of your day when people typically already have a hard enough time fitting in the things that they want. Yeah, absolutely. To push, to push working sets higher leads to more mental fatigue. It can lead to more hunger. It leads to maybe less motivation to actually be training all of those types of things. And so starting on the lower end with volume makes sense to see what you can handle. And if like, you're still hungry for a little bit more after you've started on the lower end and your intensity is already in a good place. If you're, you're hungry for more and you're not overly sore, your hunger hasn't skyrocketed, your motivation is still there. Well, that's telling us that potentially you can always add a little bit more into what you're doing potentially. Um, but starting with more is generally a bad idea and is what's the word that I'm 
is irresponsible from a coach's end. You should start with less and build up their baseline to see what they can actually handle. And if you can create really good results with less sets at a higher intensity, well, that just makes sense. It saves you time. It saves you fatigue. It saves you potential like hunger. It, it saves you on mental fatigue as well, which is just going to lead to a better, more sustainable result long-term because you're, you're working more efficiently as opposed to always just trying to work harder, if that makes sense. Yeah. And yeah, it's just like one of those things when we say, you know, we're going to start less intense, a lot of people may wonder, like, why start less intense? And then I'll kind of dive into a short little nutrition story that kind of conveys, I think, both of our points here. And then we can kind of dive into the last little kind of tidbits of details we want to cover for like training aspect. But here's exactly like why we have that viewpoint. I'm going to shout out one of our clients from um, our group coaching program who came in and in her initial like onboarding questionnaire, she had mentioned like, I'm eating around like 1600, 1700 calories. And so nutrition wise, our kind of idea is like, we want to start as high as possible. Like, like what's the most that you can eat? while still seeing the results that you want to see. So like training wise, that, that would be like, what's the lowest volume that we can do while still giving you the results that you want to see. And you may think this is pointless until you learn that like the client who thought she could only eat 1600, 1700 calories. She has now worked her way all the way up to 2300 calories is actually losing more weight now than she was at like 16, 1700. And she's and is like too. questioning like, what is going on? And I'm like, this is exactly like why we're doing this. Like we want to find like, where do you top out at? And just to kind of give some insight, like she lives a very, very like active lifestyle, but it just shows like her body's like handling those calories. Like her body needed those calories and we would have never figured that out had we kind of trialed and tested. And so in the process of all that, like you said, Chaz, like she's gotten freaking lean, but it all started with like, what can we get away with? And what we noticed is she just responded better and better and better. She's what we consider like a hyper responder to the caloric increase. And so training wise, if you can see the same results with, let's say eight to 16 working sets a week, as opposed to like 30 to 40, like some people are doing, or, you know, quote unquote, like working sets are probably not all sure. working sets, but why not? Why not save an hour a week of your time? Why not, you know, spend that extra hour like meal prepping or going to the store or, you know, hanging out with your kids at night or taking an hour bath before, you know, just kind of wind down. Like there's a lot of things that you could do that are, again, probably going to lead to, you know, better results over the long term. But that does kind of convey our point here, like starting with less plays into like, we want the best for you long term. Yeah. And this brings up something to mind for me that I posted on TikTok just a week or two ago that went kind of viral. It got like, it's, I think it's close to like 500,000 views or something crazy, but I put up talking about the idea of this, of doing less, but doing it harder to save yourself a little bit of, of time and just use your efforts more efficiently to see a, a better result. And what I saw a lot from that, like there was a big pushback and I know it's from like the younger crowd. This isn't necessarily like people with, with kids or like high demand jobs, and what they were saying essentially was, well, like I go to the gym for therapy. Like I need two to three hours in the gym, like just for, for the therapy aspect of it. And I think that there's a, a lot wrong with that. I think using the gym to improve your mental health is great. And I think that there's a lot of benefit to that, but if you have to spend two to three hours in the gym, just to feel better, I, you're probably more so like silencing and digging those issues that you have deeper by numbing them out with the gym, as opposed to facing them where you could maybe train for an hour and use that extra hour or two that you're spending in the gym to focus on recovery or to focus maybe on meditating or 
going as as far as like maybe seeing a therapist or doing things that aren't just going to numb these emotions or things that you're dealing with mentally, but like using a more productive outlet potentially to to not only help numb those emotions like the gym can do in some senses, but actually work through them. It was just an interesting thing that came up a ton. Like when I put that post up, like how to spend less time, how to spend 45 to 60 minutes in the gym, as opposed to an hour and a half to two hours and most likely see better progress from it. Well, if you're using that as like, Oh, I have to go to the gym and spend that much time just simply for my mental health. I would say that you're using that as an excuse. There's more productive things that you you could get into the gym, get your time done in there that needs to be done, and then spend that extra time that you have doing something that's maybe more productive to work through those mental health issues that you could potentially have that will get you to a place to where you don't have to spend two hours in the gym. Because at the end of the day, like if you're a younger person listening to this, like if you can spend that much time in the gym, that just means that you don't have as much responsibility outside of the gym. And at one point in your life, you're going to, you're going to have a, a, a more high demand career. You're going to have kids. You're going to have a family. You're going to have these different things that are going to take more time from you. And so learning to be more efficient now and using other mechanisms to, to deal with whatever it is that you're trying to numb out by being in the gym is just going to be so much more productive for you in the long run. That's kind of a, a side ramp, but it just put that in my brain because I saw that comment come through so many times. I'll actually take that and transition it into what I was going to say next. It actually works out really well for me. So we have to remember that like training is still a stressor on the body. So when we exactly. go- into the gym and you train you have a stress response and i've most likely talked about this before on here but if i haven't just in case you have a stress bucket your body does not distinguish stress like relationship wise from like emotions from work to physical stress nutritional stress it all goes in that same bucket and so if you're like overflowing with stress and you have this bucket and then you're like, oh, I'm going to go train really hard and just like sit on the Stairmaster or like, you know, sit on the Stairmaster for an hour, or like do all the sweating and then like go on the sauna and just like hood up like earphones in, like sweat out some more and then go and like train and stuff. That's a lot more stress being added on. And talking about stress, if you're wanting to kind of getting back to the original point of like glute growth. Or really, this can be applied to like any body part. Like, if you want to maximize results in the gym, another very often like overlooked factor is learning to take the appropriate rest times. Because by giving our bodies the appropriate rest time, and by rest time, I'm talking like in between like your hard, heavy working sets, you should need at least like a solid, like, 90 second minimum but probably like two three minutes between sets and the reason is is like for muscle growth that's going to allow us to get like the stress that we want if you are trying to like get it done quicker or you're just like i just get bored resting between sets you're actually doing yourself a disservice because you're taking what should be like a high hypertrophy response, which is basically just muscle growth. You're taking a response that should give you muscle growth and you're turning it into a stressor that's basically improving your cardiovascular system, which, I mean, it is good still. Like you should still improve cardio conditioning and like metabolic health. But if you're like, I want to maximize glucose growth and I want to get like just really strong here, you need that rest. And you need to kind of realize like we are training for a specific stress response. We're training for a reason and trying to alter that. It's not serving you. It's just driving you further, I think, from the goal, especially when like we as coaches have no idea that you're doing it. So if it's like, you know, you're a year in with a client, it's like, hey, by the way, I've been taking like 60 second rest versus like two minutes. It's like, oh, I wish I would have known that like a long time ago. Cause I would have talked you through that and like help you understand like, why is it that we're taking these rest periods? Cause like, it's something that doesn't seem like a whole lot. And like, you do feel like you're working harder when you go quicker and faster, 
but it's just like making people aware of like rest periods are important and probably a lot more important than people fully realize. And it's going to be boring sitting there between sets, but it doesn't take away from the fact like that's what's effective for muscle growth. I agree 100%. People, most people do not rest near long enough to be able to get the most out of each set. They're going into their following set, still fatigued from the previous set. So they're not as able to accumulate as much volume or as many reps, which leads to less effective reps and less efficient workouts overall. So let's, let's wrap this thing up. I'm going to go through some just like some quick questions for you okay. in regards to glute growth, like just real quick, fast responses to this to help give some people some structure. And then we'll kind of lay the foundation to that at the end um, to give people like a tangible takeaway of, of what they can do if they want to start building their glutes. So how many days per week would you have somebody train their glutes? Two is yeah, two. I'm, I want to keep it short. 99% of the time, two times a week. That's good. Yeah. Two to three times per week. Agreed. How, um, how many sets per workout would you have somebody do? Let's see. How do I, how do I ask that question? How many sets for glutes per workout would you have? Would you program for optimal glute growth? Four to eight, four to eight sets working sets. So let's say they're doing so four to eight on average, that would be six. So let's say if they are doing, um, three exercises for glutes, what would that look like? Like just so, so essentially like maybe three, three and two to equal eight sets total or. Yeah, it really depends on the client's kind of overall goal, but I'll really just kind of simplify it down for you. You have your squatting patterns, your lunging patterns, you have your hinging patterns and then kind of like your accessories. I do tend to focus a bit more on the backside just because of the goals that my clients have. They typically care more about like the hamstrings and the glutes more so than like the quads. So let's say I'm doing like six sets over the span of like three days. I might make, let's say... 10 to 12 of those like hamstring glute dominant and maybe like six to eight of those. I don't know if the math was right there, but like maybe like six to eight quad dominant and maybe like eight to 10 glute dominant just to kind of bias by a little more hamstring glute. And I was kind of diversify. Okay. I have like this hinging pattern here. I have this squatting pattern here. I do love my unilateral glute work. So like Bulgarians, like dumbbell walking lunges, probably two of my favorite like unilateral like leg exercises. Um, I do bias a lot more of the lengthened positions. So that's pretty much what I just said. Squats, hinging patterns, lunging patterns, and then kind of things like the kickbacks, the abductor machine, like weighted hip extensions. I'll kind of put those and like less frequently and kind of more so like I wouldn't start necessarily with like those exercises. So I kind of hopefully answer that question. Kind of, maybe not. I'm not. No, it does. It does. So let's say somebody's doing, um, like for the workout, they're doing squats. So a traditional workout for me before, which I don't necessarily, I mean, it does work, but you're going to be sore afterwards. So let's say for one of your workouts, you started with squats, then you went to RDLs, then you went into Bulgarian split squats. How many working sets would you have? How many working sets would that look like per exercise? Like for one workout? For one, it's like one exercise. It's typically going to be two working sets. Sometimes like towards the end of a cycle when I'm pushing really hard, like three sets. But that would be like minority of the time. Sure. Majority is two two working sets. Yeah. Absolutely. I guess what I'm getting at here is like, there are studies showing that like the, and this might not be for every body part. I know they didn't test this on every single muscle group, but they found that like roughly around six hard working sets near failure is kind of like 
is close to not exactly, but probably close to the limit of where you'll see better progress in one session. So let's say you go from like four working sets in a workout for a particular muscle group up to six working sets for a muscle group, you're probably going to see better progress up at that six sets for the entire workout. Um, than you would from the four sets, but let's say you go from doing six hard working sets in a, in one workout for a muscle group up to 10 hard working sets in that one workout, you're not necessarily going to see better progress from going from six all the way up to 10 as you would from four to six. So somewhere around six working sets is that sweet spot for most people in regards to volume in one specific workout for a particular muscle group. So that doesn't mean like, let's say you're training chest and triceps or, or whatever it may be. I know we're talking about glutes, but just to give you an idea, that doesn't mean that, okay, I can only do six working sets. So I can only do three for the chest and three for the triceps. That's six working sets for the muscle group. So you could get away with somewhere roughly around six sets for the chest and then roughly like six sets for the triceps. Anything more than that isn't necessarily going to lead to better results for that particular muscle group. So guess what I'm trying to get at somewhere around six working sets for the glutes in each sec exercise is a good place to be. That's not counting your warm up sets, but for the actual sets that you're getting near failure, somewhere around six, some people can get away with maybe doing three to five. Some people can maybe handle a little bit more volume and be up closer to like seven to nine and see, see better progress, but somewhere on average around six working sets is a good sweet spot per workout for the glutes. Would you agree with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really like kind of like you said, like that six sets or so, like I find really effective sometimes upwards of like eight sets, but it's still really close to like that six kind of yeah number. The reason I kind of have, I guess, not like a hard time answering this question, but I do think I can leave a bit of value like with the listeners real quick, is it kind of depends also like on the phase a client's in. So to give a little sneak peek into like how we coach for the uh, group coaching program for the ladies is we cycle through different styles of training. So we have more like strength-based phases. We have like strictly like hypertrophy focused phases. And we have some phases that are more like kind of what I was talking about earlier, like the more metabolic, like, oh, I feel this burn. And by properly cycling through those phases, you can see better results long-term, but an easy kind of overview of each phase is strength-based phases. You will have like the least amount of volume typically, and you're not taking as many sets to failure, I'd say, because with strength, you're focusing more like, like, yes, you do want to push the strength, but a lot of strength is also neurological so you do want to make sure that like when you're pushing, you're really also practicing like that execution as well. So when you are going like a hundred percent, sometimes that kind of coordination aspect doesn't go as well. So like strength, typically like lower volume, hypertrophy, typically like somewhere in the middle and you're going to have like decently long, like rest periods. So like strength, least amount of volume longest rest hypertrophy like muscle growth just kind of below um, neurological or like strength in terms of like rest periods a little more volume compared to strength metabolic that kind of like burning sensation that you get it's going to be the most amount of volume with like the highest work to rest ratio basically meaning you'd have short the shortest rest periods in a phase like that with more it's it's a more dense workout metabolically than you'd have like strength wise or hypertrophy wise and i think that's kind of just a nice overview of like okay like i understand the general like resting periods like i want to rest a little bit longer here or like volume wise like i want a little bit more volume that's going to fall like here and there's courses that cover this for like 30, 40 hours. That's like the generalized, like five minute answer or three minute answer. Yeah, absolutely. I think that we could dive in and do an entire episode on that. Like how we would set up 
six months worth of training in regards to those different phases and the benefits of going through each one. Most people are not doing that just because there's not a ton of knowledge on that. There's not even a lot of people posting content on that of how to the phase things appropriately with like strength phases, hypertrophy phases, metabolic phases to, to maximize your training long-term. So I think we could dive into something like that in the future and kind of explain how we do that for group clients and one-to-one clients as well. But to finish this thing off, um, just real quick, rapid fire, how, or not how, what are your favorite exercises to build the glutes? I like hip dominant barbell squats. I like my glute biased Romanian deadlifts and do please note, like I'm being specific with the wording here. If you guys have questions on either of those exercises, go check out my TikTok. in, in the last month or two, I've done, um, extensive videos on these that have done really well and helped a lot of people just in regards to how to bias your glutes during a squat, how to bias your glutes during an RDL. I just put up that post a few days ago. So go back through that. I have, I post some of that stuff on Instagram as well, but I put a lot of exercise tutorials and like how to bias particular muscle groups on my TikTok as well. So make sure you're following along there. The TikTok has been doing really well lately, just because the content that I've been posting has been super helpful in regards to exercise execution, but sorry to cut you off. Keep on going. All good. So yeah, hip dominant barbell squats. I do like my glute biased Romanian deadlifts. And then I'd say from there, unilateral, I like Bulgarian split squats. Again, you can bias this more so towards your glutes. You may have a video on that somewhere. I'm not hundred percent positive. Actually, no, I um, don't. I'm gonna I'll make that one this week because I don't have the Bulgarian split squat yet. Yeah, so we have the Bulgarian split squats, dumbbell walking lunges. And then I would say from there, we can have the leg press in. And those as like your main muscle builders, you don't really need much more beyond that. Like other than like then go in and add in like the hip extension or your abductor machine or like your glute need kickbacks. Let or that kind of thrust. fill in the rest. But squat, RDL, Bulgarian split squat, walking lunge, leg press, that's five exercises, I think, if I counted right. And those would be like my top five glute builders. And notice that they are all, all they're all biased towards that more like stretched or lengthened position of the muscle. Yeah. You're not going to like squeeze and get a, real, a lot of tension at like the top of that exercise, right? It's going to be in that lengthened position, which one is going to make you more sore because it breaks down more muscle fibers um, in a stretch position as opposed to a, a shortened position. Um, so yeah, I, I really like all of those to give you guys just a quick, we're going to finish here to give you guys like a quick way of how you could set this up. So let's say that you're training glutes two times per week. Let's say you're training your glutes on Mondays, you're training your glutes on Thursdays, a very simple way that you could set this up just off the top of the head that would work. If you're training with enough intensity, you're training with the, the right volumes and you're focusing on progressing over time. So on Monday, you could essentially start your workout. This was going to be a hard workout for your glutes. It's what I mentioned before. You're going to start with a, a glute biased uh, barbell squat. Then you're going to move into a, a glute biased RDL and then finish it with a, a glute biased Bulgarian split squat. That's going to absolutely wreck you. And if you do it for, let's say starting out in your meso cycle, if you ran these exercises over a four week period, start out with one, maybe up to two hard working sets in each of those exercises. And throughout like for the first two weeks, keep it to one to two hard working sets, see how you get in regards to soreness. And then weeks three and four, you could bump that up to two to three hard working sets um, to get through that four week period. And then for your second day, which would be Thursday, what you could essentially do if you wanted to, you could start with um, like a heavy barbell hip thrust. So to train a little bit more in that shortened position, then you could move into a walking lunge and then you could move into like a glute med kickback. Essentially this day is going to be a little bit easier. You're not going to get quite as sore from this day because you're going to be training the glutes from more of a shortened position as a, except for the walking lunge. So won't be quite as much fatigue. It's going to guarantee that by the, by the time that you get back to Monday, you're going to be fully recovered. Most likely not have as much, um, 
much fatigue or as much soreness moving back into Monday for that really hard training session again, where you're training everything from that length and position once again, which is going to be more fatiguing in a sense and, and cause more soreness. So that's a very easy way to set up your glute training for the week. Again, it's not a bunch of different, like random fancy exercises that you necessarily see all over social media. But one, if you're training with the right amount of intensity or one, if you have the proper form, you're training with the right amount of intensity close to failure and you're focusing on progressing those lifts on a week to week basis and potentially adding a little bit more volume into weeks three and four, as opposed to the first couple of weeks, as your body's kind of acclimated to it a little bit to force that adaptation. And you stay consistent with training that way for let's say six months. And you're, we didn't even touch on the nutrition component of this, but if you want your glutes to grow, you need the proper fuel to be able to promote that that growth as well. So eating at the top end of maintenance or in a slight surplus, focusing on really progressing those exercises over time with the proper execution, with technique, with the uh, proper progressions and the proper intensity. If you do that over the long term with these simple exercises, your glutes are not going to have a choice but to improve. And that goes for any muscle group that you're not going to have a choice but to be able to improve if you're nailing down on those main things. So this was super in-depth. We didn't really expect to go in this direction. We were actually going to do a Q&A, but we just went intuitively with it. Um, and as always, if you guys have questions on this kind of stuff, please feel free to let us know. Our group coaching program for ladies only is running right now. We're running a sell through the month of December to where if you sign up in December, you get the rest of the month for free and, and your actual payments don't start until the 1st of January. Group coaching is an option for women that is much cheaper than our one-to-one -one coaching, half the price essentially. So if that's something that you're interested in getting into to where you have access to all of the ladies inside of the group, the community going through the same process with you with building muscle definition, losing body fat. If you want accountability in regards to us setting up your nutrition for your specific goals of building muscle, losing body fat, setting up where we want your caloric intakes to start, your protein intakes to start, setting up what your day should look like with your nutrition, with your different meals, what kind of meal options you can have inside of that, um, as well as us building out your training for you with everything that we've talked about here in regards to setting up how many days per week to work out, setting up what exercises to do, video videos to each of those exercises so you know the proper execution, breaking down the amount of sets we want you doing, the amount of reps we want you doing, breaking down how much weight you should be using for your particular strength levels as you get started in each block and how to progress those over time with either adding reps or adding sets, as well as having the accountability in regards to us taking a look at how your body's progressing on a biweekly basis with your weigh-ins, with your measurements, your photos, your consistency, so that we can see how your body's responding and then help you make adjustments to nutrition and potentially training accordingly on a biweekly basis to ensure that your body composition is moving in the right direction and you're using your efforts as efficiently as possible shoot me an email. I'll leave that down below and I'll be able to send you all of the additional information with the prices and whatnot for the ladies only group coaching. It's something you can get into to have the best structure possible leading into the new year to get you guys to where you want to be. So we appreciate you all for listening. Hopefully you have an amazing day and we'll chat with you very soon.